All righty, good evening, folks. Guru and the Wiz back at you. We are tackling uh, my New York football giants here in this uh, podcast as we continue to go through each and every team in the NFL, and we're moving right along here. Uh, and as, as far as moving right along, we also want to remind everybody of our email, guruandwiz at gmail.com, for anything that you would like to hear from us in terms of episodes. And just to remind everybody on Spotify, on iTunes, on SoundCloud, uh, you know, please uh, feel free to subscribe and make sure you're getting the updates as they are coming fast and furious as we head into August. Wiz, how are you this evening? I'm doing well. And yeah, for people listening out there, if you have a question about a player, we if we love him, like him, dislike him, whatever, you know, feel free to talk about teams, players, situations. We'll uh, we'll we'll cover we'll cover all of that. Let's get right to your your, your Giants, your New York Football Giants. I know you're excited about Daniel Jones. I'm a little bit more dubious about the player than you. Um, I'm concerned about his ball security issues and maybe a little bit if the first read isn't there, his processing of defenses. Um, I hope that could get corrected for Giant fans and for fantasy football owners that, that draft Daniel Jones. But have at it. Tell us what you like about the player because I know you are very high on the player. Yeah, look, I, I actually had him in a couple of leagues last year. Um, he actually won some games for me with some huge performances. And as far as huge performances next to Lamar Jackson, uh, he was the player who had the most games over 30 points in fantasy other than Lamar Jackson. You know, as we know, Pat Mahomes got hurt last year, so that certainly helped Daniel Jones out a lot. You know, he did have 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, which is a really nice ratio. But as you mentioned, ball security, a major problem. You cannot turn the pigskin over. It just kills everything. It kills your defense because it keeps you on the field too long. It doesn't enable you to get any kind of offensive flow. So, so that sort of thing is going to drive the new head coach crazy. That's Joe Judge, and he's out of the Belichick Saban school, so turnovers are not well received in that world. So he's going to definitely have to work on that, hopefully. And I, I did hear reports that in the offseason, he was doing a lot of exercises to help correct that. We know in the past, some Giants have had some problems with that. Tiki Barber uh, was a guy who overcame some of those fumbleitis situations. So hopefully this is the case for Daniel Jones. But I like the player. He's a fringe one, one quarterback for me. He's a quarterback that I'd probably try to pair up with one of those veterans and play some matchups because I think in certain matchups Daniel Jones could do some serious damage his legs obviously a big part of that but you know I want to see this player continue to get play, get better uh, certainly from a Giants fan perspective yes but you know he showed us he's got the moxie uh, and, and also he's going to have a new offensive coordinator Jason Garrett who, who spent some time in the Giants building before he's been in this division a long time as the head coach of the, of the uh, Dallas Cowboys will now be the offensive coordinator yeah, I'm curious to see what you think that relationship will be like. Uh, but but nonetheless, I'm hoping for him to take that next step. So I would, me personally, I would take that chance on not, you know, putting all my eggs into the Daniel Jones basket. But I, there's certain games I'm going to play him as my number one quarterback, and I'd like some flexibility. He's the kind of guy I'd mix and match with. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that. I think if you, you know, you find the right spot, the pick Daniel Jones. I think he may be one of these guys that is a better fantasy quarterback than an actual NFL quarterback. I'm just worried um, that he he just his lack of awareness and the, getting that ball swatted out. That he'll he'll shore that up and uh, you know he'll he'll take that next step with a year two player. Look, the Giants had ten picks and. 
did their offensive line stunk and their defense was terrible. And, you know, to their credit, they didn't mess around. They took three offensive linemen and seven players on defense. No offensive players. Zero zilch. None. Um... Uh, I mean, zero skill position players. Uh, you know, three offensive linemen, seven defensive players are trying to improve in those areas. So hopefully Andrew Thomas, who they took with the fourth overall pick, and then Matt Pearl from the UConn, who I thought was a good pick in round three, uh, is going to help him. And that, that's always important for a young quarterback. <clears throat> yeah, look, you, the, 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 offensive, the, uh, the offensive line is a, is a critical part. You know, we failed to mention it in, in the New Orleans Saints um, uh, podcast that we did, but offensive lines really dictate how the team is going to play both on offense and defense because you know you you can control the ball a little bit keep your defense rested um you know Eli Manning we know he was not a mobile guy it was tough to watch him take some punishment you know over the years it certainly helps that Daniel Jones is a little bit more elusive but you still want your quarterback remaining upright so helping that offensive line will be critical in the success of this both Daniel Jones and the team uh, I, don't, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I just think that you're a little bit more high on higher on the player than I am coming to the season. But one player that there is no doubt about his ability and greatness is Saquon Barkley. Um, I think in, in snake drafts, if you have that dreaded number two pick, which I think we'll talk about as we you know get closer to the season and we start doing some mock snake drafts. Uh, Saquon Barkley is obviously one of the players you have to consider there. <clears throat> if your league is in a PPR league, he's capable of catching a lot of passes and doing a lot of damage with those receptions. So tell us about Barkley. Do you think after McCaffrey he should be picking pick for that number two pick? And um, just tell him tell us you know what your outlook is for this year as long as he can stay on the field. Yeah, so high ankle sprains are a terrible injury for, for offensive skill players, and, and Barkley sustained one of those last year. He probably came back too prematurely, and he was not as effective when he did come back. He went from 90-odd catch, I think 91, 92 catches the year before, only caught 52 balls last year. So that's a significant drop-off and just got over 1,000 yards. And, and the explosiveness that we saw from him in year one was definitely not there last year. So, uh, look, if he's healthy... I can I, that debate with that number two pick is certainly a relevant one. Uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott plays in a better offense on a better offense, but Saquon Barkley is a potent, potent player. And I think even the year before, there was a lot of people wondering whether Saquon Barkley or, or, or Christian McCaffrey were going to be the number one pick in, in, in some fantasy drafts because I think there was some discrepancy for some people. So I look for this player to come back healthy, to be a bigger part of the offense again. I don't know that he'll get to that 90 catch level again. Uh, you know, uh, we'll talk about Deion Lewis in a minute because he's part of this team now and he's a little bit more of an effective uh, pass catcher out of the backfield uh, and, and has had some success. Granted, this is with a new team, but but Barkley is a tremendous player, and I can easily understand the debate. You know who you're going to take with that number one two pick in, in snake drafts, but but I'm looking for Saquon to make that bounce back. He's the unequivocal, you know, bell cow back, the guy that's going to be toting the ball at the goal line. So there's a lot to like about Saquon Barkley. Yeah, there is. I mean, my only knock on Saquon Barkley, and it's a small one, is that he, he tries to go the distance. It appears he tries to go the distance in every single play. I, I don't like that he tries to jump over players. I think in some of those instances, it looks like he got hurt, or sometimes it looks like he was actually hurt, but he's been okay. He's just a, His legs are so big and strong and powerful. 
um, that that he's able to overcome a lot of those plays. But I just think that he needs to take and accept a couple of gains of two and three yards sometimes and not always bounce everything out and make everything into an 80-yard touchdown run. So I think that's one thing he has to do because some of those plays end up being losses. And uh, when you have a bad offensive line and you find yourself – second and 11, second and 13, second and nine, it's not going to go well. So I I just wish Barkley sometimes would just take what the defense gives him. As far as Deion Lewis goes, I don't know. I mean, I know people think he's going to be the, you know, catch passes, the third down guy, but he just didn't look like the same guy to me last year. And uh, I'm a little bit concerned. I mean, is he the natural handcuff if something was to happen to Barkley? If you draft Barkley, do you make your sure you get Lewis? How, how do you how do you view the handcuff there in your overall analysis of Lewis coming to the season? No, no, no. He's not a he's not a direct handcuff because I think that it would be a committee situation if Barkley were to go down. They still have Wayne Gallman on the roster, so no, I don't, I don't necessarily think that would be the case. And I agree. You know, he's a little bit of an older player. Uh, had some uh, some exciting flashes as. as as a as a as a patriot, we know Tom Brady loved him a lot, but yeah, he definitely didn't look like the same player last year. So you know, we'll see how that evolves this year. But no, not I don't think there's a direct handcuff. I think it would be a committee approach should Barkley go down. I would I would I would agree with that. Um, moving on to the wide receiver position, you know, look, the Giants had ten picks and and they needed offensive line help and they certainly needed defensive help. But when you look at their their three wide receivers that they have, it, there's not much depth there. It's Tate, it's Shepard, it's Slayton. I know you like Slayton. I like the player, too. I think he's going to emerge and be the best of the three. But I would have liked to have seen the Giants with one of their picks and his wide receiver draft, laden talented draft and wide receiver, like them to go out there and get one wide receiver with one of their picks. They didn't do it. Um, as far as a whole, yeah, Tate, Slayton, Shepard are fine if they could stay on the field, but what's the likelihood of that happening? So you know, I, I, I'm really concerned about uh, Sterling Shepard. And, you know, much like Brandon Cooks, this is a player that got dinged up a couple of times uh, last year with, with concussions. Uh, and I don't think he, maybe he returned for one game late in the year. Uh, very, very scary stuff. And that, that's troublesome to me. Um, it enabled last and, and as we remember last year to start the season, um, Golden Tate um, was was under suspension, so it allowed Slayton to get some action in there. You know, they had guys like Benny Fowler and, and, and Cody Latimer on this team last year, and they're both off the roster now. Corey Coleman is still here, a guy that was expected to do something in the NFL when he was drafted by the Browns. He's going to be the number four receiver. But, but look, as you mentioned, I, I think Slayton will be the best receiver of the group. 48 catches, 750 yards. He led the NFL with touchdowns over 25 yards with five last Last year, a couple of exciting plays, a player out of Auburn who really shined in his first year when he got opportunity. So I expect that player to be the number one guy. And I am really worried that, A, you know, Tate is just getting slower. He's just not that type of player anymore. And, B, the injury risk because of those concussions to Sterling Shepard is something that's very, very prominent on my mind. So for me, if I think I think Slayton is the receiver to target on this team. The, the one thing I would like to mention is last year the Giants led the NFL in 11 personnel. Now, granted, they were behind all the time, but 75% of the time they were in 11 personnel. I would expect that to change a bit under Garrett and Judge, but it remains to be seen how that works out. But for me, Slayton is the guy to target here. I worry about the other two guys. 
why I think I think they're going to remain eleven personnel because outside of Evan, Evan Ingram, I don't think they have much at that position that they're confident. In. They they kind of like their receivers, but would you do you feel that with the injuries that the Giants suffered last year, it really gave that combo of Jones and Slayton to blossom? Get to get to have a good rapport, a good connection, and that should only continue going through this year. I mean, don't you think that not only Slayton is a good young player, but he is way above ahead of the other two, I should say, in terms of good continuity with Daniel Jones. Yeah, no, I think that I think they definitely have a lot of rapport, and that was very reflected on the field last year. So, if you were to ask me a sleeper out there for you know, and I don't know. You know, in people's eyes, what's quantified as sleeper. But in my eyes, Slayton is a sleeper, a guy that has a potential to be a thousand yard, you know, eight, eight, nine touchdown guy. That's that's the way I'm looking at him. And I'll be targeting him in, in a lot of leagues uh, this year. Fair enough. So help us out here with Evan Ingram. If Evan Ingram was to stay on the field for 16 games, there's no question he's a top 12 tight end. There's no question he's a top 10 tight end. He's definitely in that argument somewhere between 6 and 10. When you bake into the cake the fact that he seems to not be able to stay on the field. So when you combine those things, his, the, the fantasy owner is looking at a draft where they're worried about the player's injuries, but seeing that talent all in there together – where do you rank and have Ingram as far as tight ends for this year? Yeah, look, he's played 19 out of the last 32 games, uh, and, and that's a problem. Um, you know, last two seasons in, in that time span, he's been able to catch 40-odd balls in both seasons, but he has not been healthy, and that's a huge concern. And as a result of that, I think he takes a step back. When I see some of these uh, draft boards that have him in kind of the top seven, that makes me kind of nervous because he's just not been someone that you can count on. So I, I would be a little bit concerned. I'm slightly less concerned, though, if he does go down, because I will tell you, uh, the, the guy that I watched at the end of last year, and, and he really had no opportunity being that he was on the San Francisco 49 as he was drafted by them in 2019 out of Stanford, and that was Caden Smith. And Caden Smith finished the season with a flurry for the Giants. He had four or five games where he had at least – four or five catches. He had a couple of touchdowns in one game. Just a player to keep an eye on. You know, he, he, really, he showed some very, very solid athleticism. Big guy, but moved very well on the field. Like I said, he had no chance to be, you know, on the Niners. He had no chance with Kittle there. But, you know, look, Ingram can easily go down. And I thought Daniel Jones was not afraid to look at this player late in the season. So keep your eye on Caden Smith as a potential sleeper at the tight end spot. But you're, you're only recommending and suggesting Caden Smith if something was to happen to Ingram, right? You're not saying standalone, right? Not standalone, no. But, 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 I'm, uh, but I am extremely cautious on Evan Ingram because of this dubious injury situation that's kind of plagued him the last two seasons. Uh, so let's put you on the spot here. Is Evan Ingram a tight end one in your position? Is he one of the top 12 tight ends you would draft? I still think he would be top, one of the top 12 tight ends I, I would draft, yes. Okay, and uh, but if you do draft Ingram, you kind of have to address tight end further in your draft. Would you not agree with that? One hundred percent. Yeah, I think yeah, I think if you draft Ingram and he stays healthy, that's fantastic. But like, you have got to address tight end if you draft Ingram because you, you just can't count on him playing. 
Um, moving on to defense and kickers, you know, <sighs> defense special teams on the Giants. I mean, the Giants defense was horrendous. That's why they drafted seven defensive players this year. I'll let you talk about the defense in a second. As far as the kicker goes, I mean, the most noteworthy thing Aldrich Rojas has connected on in the last couple of years is a car on the side of the road. Uh, that, I mean, that, that, first of all, he couldn't connect on a kick last year to start. So, um, well, yeah, he was 12 of 17 on field goals and 35. He missed four extra points. So, yeah, that when you have a year like that, it makes sense to go out there, get drunk, or, or get get reckless because you know you're such an elite kicker that a team can't get rid of you. So, idiotic. Uh, you know, off the field stuff by a kicker who's horrendous on the field. So I'll let you have it. It's your team. Tell us about the Giants' defense. Any hope for a resurgence of the good old days with your beloved Giants? And uh, some thoughts on Rojas as well. Yeah. So the, the Rojas situation is is really bad, and you don't want to get caught in a situation where you you have ten kickers like the Bears had trying out. So they, they they've got to establish which direction they're going in very very quickly. It's a critical position, obviously. You know the defense. Defensive side of the ball, I'm I'm not too excited. The, the one thing is, though, I think Marcus Golden is actually going to be a giant as a result of the free agency. The, the Giants are going to get him for a cheap price. He actually played very well last year. We have to see what happens with DeAndre Baker, the, the pick from the year prior, who, who was picked in the first round but has some legal troubles await, awaiting him. You know, they, they brought in James uh, Bradbury, but I'm not super high on this defense. You know, the Giants are going to be behind the eight ball. Uh, they'll be behind in a lot of games because their defense is not keeping them in them. Absolutely. Uh, anything else you wanted to add? Because I, I think uh, in the next podcast, we're going to be on to two teams that there's uh, a fair amount of you know support for, the New York Jets, with all these uh, fans that have hung in there with them, hoping for a resurgence to the AFC East now that the Patriots have kind of come back a little bit and the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, where you're going to tell us why you love Jalen Hurts. Uh, so we'll get to those. And uh, was there anything else you wanted to add? Nope, nothing else that I want to add. I'm uh, excited to tackle those, and uh, we'll we'll wish you a good evening. This was uh, been a fun run, but yeah, look forward to the Jets and uh, and and the Philadelphia Eagles in our next two podcasts. You got it. Great job. You too. See ya.